This is the 911 Calls Podcast with the operator and his trusty junior assistant, Mr. Luma. Time for 911. Where's your emergency? Oh, oh my God. They got to have their guns out. They, they got to have their guns out. Listen to me. Oh, my God. Hey, uh, hey, Luna, welcome. Uh, yeah. To what? To, to what? To the break room? Well, yeah, I guess. Uh, welcome to the break room. I mainly just haven't seen you in a while. I've, like, what have you even ever been doing? Working? Just on our stuff or like just. What are you? What? What, you got side gigs? Not really, no. I'm just trying to get these crime machine episodes going. You haven't been. Haven't been like talking to like other podcasters who maybe have nighttime podcasts or nothing. No. Ah, weird. Could have sworn. Could have sworn. Anyway, well, uh, then it's just uh, it's good to see you again. And again, welcome to the break room, where the music is always on fleek and the conversations are so good. That you're going to want to call 911. Oh, God. I knew it. Hey, listen. No. Seriously. I, ah, it didn't really go that well, man. I've told you. It's, it did. Uh, how? It, actually, it is working. This is now an award-winning podcast. Guess how many awards we've won already? Zero. No. Well, so many I can't. More than zero. Okay. Here. Let me. I'll, I'll, here. Here's a couple. Sean Anigans said... I liked it. I actually listened twice. Sean goes on to say, the first time I heard you and Jack together, I was thrown off and hated it. But then he, then he gains, regains his, uh, he regains his senses and says, now I see that you are a fantastic production pair and I look forward to your projects. Uh, these, Jessica Elder? What? These aren't, these aren't, these aren't awards. These are, these are, they're award winning. These are awards we've gotten. Jessica Elder says, okay. loving this op, Thumbs up emoji, well done. We got a thumbs up emoji, man. Uh, Jillian Harrison, she said, hi, I really like this episode. Smiley face emoji. This is so stupid, man. No, it's these are legit awards. Shelly Honky said, the operator, I don't just like you, I love you in a friend way and for all you do. It's the same with Jack. Thank you so very much for this new podcast. Amazing is what you two are. I oh, hope God. it continues. Oh, it was brilliant. Like everything you both do, love and hugs. You don't do, – those are obviously just comments. That they're not – those Those aren't awards. This is ridiculous. Why would you read so many of those? Well, tomato, potato, buddy. Tomato, potato. Okay? <laughs> okay. This 9-1 call is crazy. Here's the breakdown. Sandra Harold is the woman on the call that you're going to hear, okay? Her name's Sandra. She was calling 911 as an attack took place between her friend Charla Nash and Travis. <laughs> I'll keep his last name out of it to protect his anonymity for now, okay? <laughs> but I'll tell you this. Travis was an actor. Actually, quite a celeb. 
He appeared in several commercials for Pepsi and Old Navy. He was on The Man Show and on a TV pilot with Sheryl Crow and Michael Moore. Can you imagine a better show than that? Sheryl Crow and Michael Moore? Superstar singer and the beanbag of a man. Oh, wow. <laughs> All right, yeah. Just, you know. You took the words out of my mouth. <laughs> a potato human and a, and a singer. A potato, potato mixed with a tomato is Michael yeah. Moore pretty much, yeah. Tomato, potato. No disrespect, but full disrespect, sure. Yep. Okay, are you ready for me to hit play? I, yeah, let's do it, I guess. Yeah, all right. Here we go. Ridiculous. It's time for 911. Where's your emergency? Oh, he ripped her face off. He ripped her face off? <laughs> he tried to, he's trying to attack me. Please, please, okay, hurry. I need you to calm down a little bit. They're on the way. Did you hear that? Yeah. What is this? A comedy routine? No. That, that no. sounded ho- almost hilarious. He ripped he did, her face off. He ripped her yeah. face off. Travis ripped real? her face off. Oh my god. Man. Yeah, it's it's legit, man. All right. Wow. So well, I was la- I was giggling through the whole thing. I mean, it's so okay. Real thing. Somebody somebody ripped somebody's face off. Go nuts. Yeah, uh, there's more. So, l- ready for me to hit play again? All right. Okay, here we go. This is Sandy from 41 Rock, Rock Crimson Road. What's Send the problem? The Send the police. What's the problem there? My friend. What's the problem with your friend? Oh, please. What's the problem with your friend? I need to know. Put the police up with a gun. With a gun. Hurry you, up. Who has a gun? Please, hurry up. He's killing my girlfriend. Okay, so still Whoa. hilarious to yeah, you? Yeah, actually, yeah. I'm sorry, but I mean, it, it's just, it doesn't feel real. Um, what Was she wheezing between... Everything? She's losing her breath? What was what was the screaming in the background? What what's going on here? Now okay. It's time to play What the Heck is Going On on This Call <laughs> with Mr. Luna. Luna, what do you think is going on here? Try and guess how this started. Honestly, I just think that maybe I'm being pranked right now. This doesn't sound like a I, who ripped her face off. She almost sounds like she's laughing when she's saying it. And the dispatcher's behaving in a way like, what? He ripped her face off? Oh, yeah. my God. But, uh, you know, so this is real. This is real. This is real. Okay, this so really someone happened. got their face ripped off. Yeah. Okay. I don't know what's going on. Somebody ripped someone's face off? I don't know. All right. Well, that's a pretty good guess. I mean, it's <laughs> kind of, you're kind of phoning it in on that one, but Okay. Now try to predict what happens next. There's a twist, I'll tell you that. So try to predict what happens next, what, right now? Okay, um, what happens next? Um, they rip her butt off? I don't know. Well, that's a pretty good guess, pretty close. Uh, not exactly a hole-in-one. Oh, man, I'm starting to feel bad, because now I know that this is real. Um, this is real, this is real. All right, I'm sorry. Can we play play more? I need to yeah. hear more. All right, are you ready for me to hit play? Please. Here we go. What is the problem? He's killing my friend. Who's killing your friend? My chimpanzee. Oh, your chimpanzee Please. is killing your friend. Yes. 
There's someone on the way. What is the monkey doing? Tell me what the monkey is doing. He ripped their face off. He ripped their face off? He tried to attack me. Please, please, okay, hurry. I need you to calm down a little bit. They're on the way. Gracie, yet? Yeah, no, yeah. I mean, some, I was still laughing there. It sounds because it sounds like she's laughing a little bit, but that's obviously not funny. Okay, I kind of recall this. So a chimpanzee's ripping her friend's face off. Yeah, this this kind of made headlines, but uh, the the story behind it is pretty interesting. So. Uh, uh, Here's the background on what's going on here between the people and fur people in this incident, okay? So, Sandra Harold, the voice that you're hearing on the call, she grew up like most people in a well-to-do Connecticut family, like most people that owned several horses and lived an equestrian lifestyle, wearing, you know, silk dresses and posing for pictures next to giant multi-tiered cakes, like oh my god, like you do. That's that's not wow. That's regular, right? Eh? Pretty common. Yeah, around here at least. Mm. But like most people, you know, she married three times and had a daughter. (laughs) And she and her third husband, who was a very good husband, by the way, and a father to her daughter from the previous marriage and their daughter, they lived in Connecticut, owning several local businesses that would contribute to the wealth that they accrued through just a lot of hard work. This money was not given to them. You know, they worked hard for what they got. So this is I'm sorry. This is the woman whose face has been just ripped off. No, this is the fr- this is the friend, the one that owns the on the car owns. Gotcha. Okay. That's Sandy's, the one that owns the monkey. Wow. She's calling. Okay. Because her monkey is killing her friend. So, rewinding just a bit. How did this dynamic duo get together? Well, in the '70s, for a period of time, the family would tour through several states on a semi-professional rodeo circuit so that Sandy and her daughter could compete in battle racing. What? And, like most people, this naturally led them to being part of the Loretta Lynn (laughs) Traveling Rodeo, (laughs) where Sandy struck a deep and lasting friendship with an 18-year-old runaway named Charla Nash, who was also rodeoing her way around the USA at the time. Wow. This is a comedy uh, and a tragedy. I know you don't find it funny, but man, I don't know if I'm alone on this, but I got the giggles. Apologies. It's it, I would put it in the category of comagedy. Yeah, all right. Sure. That's it. Or a tragedy. But that sounds very scientific, so. <sighs> and moving on. Please. And as it tends to happen, this friendship duo came across a monkey wearing a cowboy outfit. <laughs> This monkey was part of the rodeo, and and he had his own horse, of course, and he rode around the ring to the amazement of all onlookers. And as you do when in the presence of rock stars and cowboy monkeys, Sandy found him backstage after the show and fed him some gummy bears. (laughs) Later on in the show, when he was back out for another rousing set on his horse, he spotted Sandy in the audience jumped off his horse and ran on two legs and leaped into her arms. This would be a memory that stuck with Sandy. Right, yeah. So, you know, the, the, this is a chimpanzee, right? Yes, right. Yeah, it's chimpanzee. Yeah, they're very similar to human beings. Like, in a lot of ways, I'm sure a lot of people know this, but, I mean, I think it's about 95%, 95% of the same DNA or 
99 percent i don't know some, some high amount like we're very close um yeah it's it's interesting how close we are it also is less interesting when you realize that cockroaches share almost the same amount of dna and the rutabagas but i get your point i get they look like us Sandy and her family left the rodeo sometime later, and they settled into their busy life of running businesses and country line dancing when businesses wasn't taking up their time, of course. So mother and daughter, they were inseparable until her daughter married one of their employees and moved away. Shortly thereafter, Sandy's parents both passed away, and this void started to grow in Sandy's life. Then, as it always seems to happen when we begin to approach senior citizen age, Sandy got a call on the phone. <laughs> the voice on the call said, Sandy, your baby has arrived. It's a boy. Sandy named her new baby Travis, naturally, after her favorite country singer, Travis Tritt. But Travis chose not to keep his Mr. Tritt's last name. He would just be known by the symbol Travis from then on. Travis, like all baby boys, was a monkey. A monkey that Sandy bought for $50,000. Okay. Travis, he grew quickly. And as most teenagers do, he ate dinner at the dinner table, drank a nightly glass of wine with his father, and became a notable figure in the community. At 14, like many teenagers, Travis was 240 pounds and had the strength of five men. (laughs) Sandy would take him out for rides in the car to what she thought was the amusement of the town. That is, when he wasn't bolting from the car and making townspeople nervous. A new statute had actually previously been passed that required a permit in order to keep a primate over 50 pounds. The, uh, the State Department of Environmental Protection knew that Sandy didn't have a permit for a primate, but they chose to kind of look the other way as opposed to taking custody of what they considered to be a quote-unquote local celebrity. Mm. Mm. Local animal control officers, though, they were pretty concerned about this whole deal, and they argued with Sandy on a regular basis that Travis was now a fully sexualized adult, that adults were unpredictable and could be really violent, and it wasn't feasible, really, for Sandy to own Travis for the duration of the rest of his life, which could be up to 60 years. Wow, 60, all right. <sighs> this is... So they almost live as long as us, too. They're, you know. Yeah, 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 yeah. They... Very similar to us. Like most humans, they have the strength of five men. Right, they like to rip people's faces off. They Apparently. <laughs> I know they can laugh. This is wild. They're really cute. They, they, they can be cute, but then at the same time, that cuteness can like hide their unpredictability, which is obviously not, not a good thing for the townspeople. Mm-hmm. All right. Are you... Uh, you got more of this call? Yeah. You ready for me to uh, hit play? Yeah, yeah. All right. Here we go. Can you put yourself away? I don't want the monkey attacking you. Please, hurry up! Listen to me! Uh, they're on the way, ma'am. They gotta shoot him, please! Please, hurry, hurry! Are you there with your friend? I need you to help your friend. Can you go help your friend? I can't! He tried to attack me now! Is he still there with your friend? Yes. Okay, so then back off. Then don't get any closer, okay? They're already on the way. Please. If the monkey moves away from your friend, let me know, okay? So we can try to help your friend. No, no, I can't. He's dead. 
She's dead. Why Why are you saying that she's dead? She's dead. He ripped her apart. He ripped what apart? Her face? <laughs> Everything. He ripped her apart? I think I'm going to fight. I think I'm going to pass Nope, nope. Just breathe, okay? I'm going to stay with you on the phone until they get there. Please, please, hurry. Please, please, hurry. <laughs> Oh, okay. That got me chilled up a little bit at the end. Yeah. Duh, man, this is terrible. This 911 operator, I mean, he's not a lion tamer, so, you know, you got to give him a pass here. He, he's, you know, oh, my God. Uh, he's, for a moment, he was trying to, you know, get her, get her to help her and clearly not the best advice right i think he's feeling out the situation like he doesn't know if he's like you know standing if she's standing there watching this or like so he's i think he's trying to kind of touch and feel on the environment that yeah is playing out i mean if he if he had more warning he could be like do you have a bullwhip yeah right yes do you have your bullwhip nearby do you have a large beach ball that maybe the monkey would like to play upon exactly oh i took on your accent there yeah Wow. Are you are you in or out of the tent? Where are you in relation to the concession stand? Is there a trapeze nearby? Maybe you can <laughs> Man. She she said she was dead there for a second too, but then it sounded like she said she wasn't dead near the end. Well, yeah, I think uh, okay. So so let's let's uh uh We'll, we'll, we'll paint it. We'll paint a little bit of the picture here. You got a guy who is picking up a call from an absolutely frantic lady, mm. whose best friend, who she's she's known since she was a runaway at eighteen. Huh. Her face is being torn off her face. Okay, and her head. Yeah. Well, I don't. Okay, so your face, your skin gets torn off. Do you still? Is it still your face there, or what do you call that? Well, you just your, that's your front head. What does it become when you lose your skin? Skin. I don't know. Front head. That's the front of your skull, I guess, right? I'm visualizing this now. This is must be a horrific scene. Can you imagine? Really? Okay, so there's more to it. So All right. Well, let me ask you a, let me throw you a zoological nature question. Luna, how regularly do you think adult chimpanzees have sex in the wild? <laughs> oh. Whenever they can get it, like humans, I guess. Yep. But, but that's a very good point. Uh, they, they don't have the bar, you know. They can't just hook up at the bar or Tinder. No. Uh, so, but probably oh. quite a bit. Like they probably, I mean, I assume that they throw out a number all the time. Uh, three times a week. Three times a week. So very close to a married couple. <laughs> right. Uh, right after a honeymoon. I, th- I think the I think the champ of the chimps would probably get it the most, and the rest have to sit around picking up their toenails and uh, trying to eat ants with sticks and stuff. Yeah, that well, that all turns the lady chimps on anyway. Mm-hmm. But I'll tell you this. Okay, so one thing, they are non-monogamous, which means like they roll up on anything and have sex with it. Okay. Right. Yeah, like a caveman. Yeah, fifty times. Pardon me. Fifty times what? A week? A day. Shut up. That's not I kid you not. That is a fact. Google it. <laughs> ask, ask Karen. Karen, how many times a day does a chimpanzee have sex or sexual relations with other chimpanzees? Fully sexualized chimpanzees living in a stable group in the world can have sex up to 50 times per day, maybe more on weekends. 
See? <laughs> Told you. <laughs> really? Yeah. Wow. She can't lie. I got to get myself a monkey suit. Yep. Well, anyway, moving on to uh, why that's important because so so many things happen once a monkey becomes a, se- a fully sexualized adult, which is much well it's actually pretty soon compared to me, to to humans we we just socially we are like no 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 don't have sex until you know eight whatever yeah. in your teens or when you get married or whatever sure. our, our social norms are we think about it too much yeah they, they are ready to go at like 12 13 14 just let so, it rip they're wild yeah they're going yeah there's a lot of problems with that obviously for us but for them wow that's but that's bananas Listen, it it is it is bananas. Why the, why that's important is because it, all of those factors are why you can't legally keep a primate over fifty pounds without a very stringent permit, because so many factors start playing into how that animal is going to respond in its day to day life. So, on uh, February sixteenth, two thousand nine, Sandy and Charla had just gotten back from a weekend casino trip. They took regular casino trips, you know, just girl time. Yeah, it sounds like they like to roll the dice hanging out with a friggin' chimpanzee. Yeah, right. And, and you know, if the casino would have let them, they would have brought the chimp along. That thing was, like, attached to Sandy's hip, apparently, like, always there. Mm-hmm. So, but upon the returning, Sandy noticed that Travis seemed agitated and sort of depressed. He ate his lunch of fish and chips and ice cream cake, naturally, but wasn't interested in watching TV or petting his cat or microwaving some more food like apparently he did all on his own. Wow. And as any normal concerned mother would do in a situation like, in a situation like this, she dropped a Xanax in his mug of afternoon tea. Wow. That's what I do with all the sad teenagers I see. I just, you know, give yeah. them a, I roofie them. Sure. Yeah, I bet you do. Um, I can't believe this is allowed to go on. All right. So Travis at this point is sad. He's drugged. And like any bored teenager does, Travis grabbed the house keys, unlocked the door and wandered outside without his mother knowing. He kept running up to random passing cars and wanting rides with them. Naturally, all the drivers practiced, you know, proper stranger danger and didn't let the giant hairy drugged up teen into their car. Sandy called Sharla, who ended up coming over to see if she could help. When she came through the iron gate at the driveway of their house and parked her car, she got out and she showed Travis, who was just across the way about 30 feet, this stuffed Elmo that she brought with her. Travis knuckle-ran toward her and, like many teenagers, responded overly emotionally and proceeded to tear her apart. Ooh. So this is how it all led up, eh? Yeah. This this uh, reminds me of a lot of things or makes me think of a lot of things. You know, anthropomorphizing. I might have messed that word up, but when people That's right. try to humanize am- animals, you see a lot of lonely people do this. They dress their dogs up and their cats and um, even though some people who have snakes, boa constrictors, and or you know just large snakes, and they'll let them sleep in their bed, and the snake will will extend themselves right beside them, like oh, isn't that cute? This the snake when it when it lays itself up beside a, a those human beings who decide to have long ass snakes like that. What it's doing is it's sizing you up. It's not trying to cuddle with you. It's trying to see if it's if it can eat you. Really? It's trying to say, oh, is this my size compared to yours? Is larger. Oh, I can consume you now. That's what it's doing. They're cold-blooded, man. Really? 
So we're all like, oh, man, look, he's trying to see who's taller. How cute. Yeah, he's cuddling. No, I'm trying to see if I can fit you in my my gut. Yes, they're animals. Shoot, dang. Mm-hmm. Well, okay, you know, so uh, it, it is it is a, a phenomenon, uh, you know, as humans, we, we develop these motherly par- parental kind of uh, emotions and feelings around naturally our, our children and, and, and oftentimes our pets, right? So mm-hmm. the crazy thing about this situation is that this is not a teacup poodle we're talking about or, no. you know, even a snake that you could, you know, for the most part, like a boa which you could keep in a cage. This thing like makes popcorn in the microwave mm-hmm. and watches TV and drinks wine at the table. And like, you can ask questions like you want to go for a ride and he goes and gets the keys. This is like, yes, they've empowered it. They've empowered it. And it, it's like, I guess the safest situation with, if you're going to do this would be to make sure that you're the pack leader as Caesar Milan would say. You need you need to be in control, and it, it's obvious that she's made, she's made this animal feel as though it is, you know, just like them, and it can go and do whatever it wants. Letting it run down the street and bang on car doors, man, not gonna end well. This was sort of a perfect storm because everyone was acting like, oh man, you know, he's famous. He's a part of our community. People come to the community to like see him. Right. She parades him around the community and. He hasn't torn anyone's face off, so everyone kind of just says, ah, well, he's cute. Right. What's up, Travis? High five, Travis. Throw the high five. He rips your whole arm off. Shake hands, Travis. Crushes all your knuckles. Exactly. There was one situation that a neighbor said that they he was out mowing his lawn and saw Sandy's car driving by slowly. Travis was behind the wheel. And he just stops, wait, stops like, you know, like in a scene from The Simpsons, he just like stops mowing and then just kind of waves. Mm-hmm. And Travis waves back. And Sandy was in the passenger seat, apparently, but what? Really? <laughs> you know? Right. That's crazy. So, wow. There's a lot of laughs here, but we still have a woman with her face ripped off. So, any more call here? There is. Are you ready for, uh, for me to hit play? <laughs> yeah, I am. All right. Here we go. Right after a quick commercial break, we go to pay the bills. All right, here we go. Oh my God! They gotta have their guns out. They, they gotta have their guns out. Listen to me. Oh my God. Is this your monkey or whose monkey yes. is it? It's your monkey. No, it's mine. How, how, do you know how big he is? He? How, yes, how many 200 pounds? 400 pounds. 400? 200. 200 pounds? Listen to me, please. Where are they? Where are they? And he's a chimp, correct? Yes. Where, where are they? They're going your way. They're going as fast as they can your way, okay? Please. Please go faster. Please, please, Derek. Please, please, please. Is the monkey still by your friend, or can you get close to your friend? Okay, I need you to calm down for me. I know it's hard, okay? I know it's hard. But they're going as fast as they can your way, okay? Oh, my God, please. <laughs> they tell them they got to shoot him because I tried stabbing him, and he's not, and it made him worse. Okay, please. Senator. 
time, then shoot them. They will. Sandra, I already have the fire department close by, okay? So as soon as the police gets there, the fire department is going to move in, okay? The fire department can't move in yet, but as soon as the police officers show up... Please tell them. Shoot him because he's going to try to attack me now. Just breathe, Sandra. Shoot him! Shoot him! Sandra, stay in your car. Shoot him! Sandra, I need you to stay in your car. Shoot him, please. I tried stabbing him, and, and he's hurt now, too. So, so he's going to attack anybody. I can't get out of this car. Lock your doors on your car and stay it, there with me. It don't matter. It don't matter. It don't matter. He will rip the doors. Sandra, open. just do what I'm please, telling you to. Stay in the car. The police officers will handle it. Please tell him to shoot him. <laughs> please tell him. Please tell him to kill him, please. They did, Sandra. They're shooting at him already, okay? But he's not dead. I know. They will continue until he's dead, okay? I just need you to stay please, on the phone with me and breathe. He's not dead. He's not dead. He's not dead. Oh, God. Oh, God. Alright, uh, oh, ah, that was heartbreaking. <clears throat> that shit was heartbreaking. <clears throat> that was. So, a couple things here. Um, I know that a lot of people that listen to this award-winning podcast, they are pet lovers and pet owners. And this is, I want to make it very clear, this is a tragedy. This is a tragic thing that happened for all involved. Um, and the best, you know, I, the best I can say is, as pet lovers, the best we can do for ourselves and for our pets is to make sure that we are always aware of the laws and guidelines that are in place so that our pets are protected, so that we are protected. Because those those who do not have pets, those who don't have that affinity or affection for them as much as we do, they may look for a reason if something happens, they'll 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 go out of their way to to. They don't have the. It's it's like if my son went and did something wrong, they just want him punished. That's it, straight up. So it's the same with pets, I think. So we just, the best thing we can do is to be smart, be educated, be 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 loving and caring. But remember, there are boundaries to our our, our outbound affection that we should express for our kids or our fur kids. Yeah, so the message is to anybody out there who owns a chimpanzee or an elephant or a bear or, you know, uh, a lion is to have a tranquilizer gun with you at, at all times. Exactly. And with the sufficient dose to take them down. Why doesn't she have a trank gun? Like, what is going on here? She she stabbed him? It was What was heartbreaking? Sorry to cut you off there, but what was heartbreaking? I mean, there's a lot that's heartbreaking here, obviously. Or just disturbing. What what was heartbreaking about it to me was that she had she was telling them to shoot him, um, obviously to save her friend, but part of it too was that she had already inflicted pain on on it, and she wanted to put it out of its misery. Yes, she knew she knew that it was bad for him, and and uh, she wanted them to keep on shooting it, not to st- to to make sure he was dead, so that he wasn't suffering because she still cared about her pet. Exactly. Yes. None of this is punishment that that she is wishing on. On the pet, I think that is also another thing that doesn't really become apparent to us as humans is the the wildness of our of the animals that we 
uh, embrace as pets or you know yeah. that that we may own or that we come in contact with. Consider, I mean, let's just re- review. He was two hundred and forty pounds. Wow! And had the strength of five men. And that's not just like that's not like just you know a myth. That is that is real. That is the muscle mass. That is the the size of these animals. And that, uh, it, you know, even dogs, cats, we, you hear about it, you know, some people chuckle like, oh, don't die in your house or your cats will eat you. There is a certain element of wildness to the animals that we call... To wild animals? Our family family friends. Yeah, to, to wild animals. Right? Domesticated or not, I guess, you know. Yeah, even if they're domesticated, they, they quickly, I mean, a cat will become feral if you leave it out long enough, and a dog would do the same. Certainly, they revert. Do you know what happens to a pig... If you let it go out into the wild? I actually think I do. And as you've learned about me, I know a lot about the, the animals. Up. Yeah, right. They, don't they, they grow tusk again and they start to grow hair back. And they, they, yeah, yeah. They become huge. They become huge and they grow their tusks back. So it's interesting when left to their own devices, what animals can do. And like you said about giving them human characteristics we on a day-to-day basis we imbue the, our pets with these things so we we dismiss the fact we dis- dismiss the potential reality that if this animal were to flip a switch how how relatively unstoppable they are mm-hmm. and also our our lack sometimes of understanding that just shoot him shoot him yeah ma'am they're shooting him he's not dying mm-hmm. a cop is not carrying around a weapon in most cases that can take down a large wild animal no. you know yeah the it's, skin's tougher i mean there's a lot going on with with man 200 you say 40 pounds is yeah Wow, you got any more? More is that the end of that? I hope that's the end of that. Oh, what happened to the lady? So Charlotte Nash was riddled with severe injuries. Travis had torn away her eyelids Ugh. and proceeded to render her blind. The chimp tore away her nose, her jaw, lips, and most of her scalp. He'd broken nearly all the bones of her facial structure. He'd fully removed one of her hands and virtually all of the other one. Mm. When law enforcement arrived on this, man, I just, unbelievable scene, they, they put Travis down on scene. The next time that Sandy would see Travis was in the morgue, I guess, or, or wherever they process an animal like that. Is it a morgue? I don't, I really don't know. Animal morgue? Vet, the pound? The pound, vet, a vet. But what they had done is they had taken him in, and, and um, this sounds kind of rough. Like, I don't know if they do this for all animals, but uh, apparently she said that they had beheaded him and were testing him for rabies. Huh. Um, that could be that, that rabies is – I'm totally talking out of my hat. Maybe they behead him because the rabies is active even after death or whatever. But she, she said the next time she saw him that they had begun to process Travis uh, to see – you know, if there were other factors that may have contributed to this. Mm-hmm. Even though she had all these injuries, Charlotte didn't die. She remained alive. She was in super critical condition. Three days later, after the incident, she was flown to Cleveland Clinic for what turned out to be a 15-month process of medical intervention. Just grueling. A month later, after the incident, Charlotte's family filed a $50 million lawsuit against Sandy. It's a little steep. I don't know how you pay that. Wow, fifty million. Okay, no, you don't pay that. 
But anyways, yeah. yeah. Um, I, you know, and it, it, I will say in some cases where you hear like some crazy amount of money that someone is being sued, oftentimes it is the individual who is suing, but it is also the lawyers uh, who, who have identified that legislation needs to be adjusted to factor in certain incidents that may happen in the future. I see. So the high dollar amount is oftentimes to send a message Right to the, the the community at large that things need to be adjusted. That makes sense. You know, to to prevent these things from happening in the future. So Sandy's life slipped into a void. She became a recluse uh, when she went into public or met with friends. She couldn't uh, stop bringing up Travis. All of her conversations circled back to Travis and their sadness over his death. Oddly, the conversations that she kept falling into looped heavily and were weighted to her thoughts leaning toward Travis but not Sharla but her life was absolutely altered by what Travis had done to her so you know just a very tumultuous situation for for those people yeah a lot going on here and I'm not even really going to comment on it there's that is uh this is a woman who I don't know, man it's hard for me to say certain people are mentally ill or not you know it's easy to paint that brush on people we're all so different, and we. She obviously had a really close connection to this chimp, Travis, and uh, I understand that she would feel this void in her life. I do. I really do get it. <clears throat> a lot of people can relate to animals more so than they can to other human beings, and it's it, it seems completely ridiculous that she would not be feeling more towards her friend and the pain that pain that was put on her by by. Tra- I think that she probably would be feeling if I was her um, that she let Travis down. And that she let her friend down um, by not controlling him and, and setting things up in a way that would have prevented this from happening in the first place. There would be a lot of guilt involved there. Definitely. I think that possibly a factor there is the immense amount of guilt puts up a wall because she's just incapable of compensating for the tragedy that ensued. Yeah, I'm way sadder about this than I would have ever thought that I would be about something like this. I was laughing and now I'm crying. No, (laughs) this is very sad. Yeah, inside. It is. It's sad. So at one point, Sandy said in an interview, I asked them to kill my son. You know, so if that puts it in perspective of of how she felt, of of the the, the bond that she had with with Travis, uh, you know. This may seem ridiculous to to a lot of people listening that were even going on a little bit about this, but... And this is kind of way out there, but I've, like I've said many times before, I work with uh, people who um, have children with with extreme disabilities, and their bond to them, in my experience, even with my own kids, is much different, and it's it's a lot uh, stronger, I guess. Not stronger; it's different, though. It's it's just like they have to care for everything for them, even if the kid ends up growing to be, you know, nineteen, twenty, twenty five years old. They're involved in every piece of their life. Um, they never really grow up. They never move on. You have to be there for them every step of the way. And a bond like that is similar to what I'm feeling on this. So I'm sorry to go back here. How long were they together? To put you on the spot, they're up. But how long were Travis and uh, Sandy together for? Yes, good question. Karen, how long were Sandy and Travis together? <laughs> Karen had Travis for a total of approximately 14 years, one month, 15 days. Oh, all right. There you go. That's the nice thing about this uh, award-winning podcast is you could ask me anything, and if I don't know it, I just ask Karen, and she 
we'll Google it. Base, she'll carry it for us. Right, perfect. That was nice. Yeah, crazy. Yeah, crazy. So that's how long. It's, this is one of those situations where you feel kind of bad and guilty about not talking about the victim enough because you know, geez, what a thing to happen. And to your point, the tragedy that Sandra through the bond that she had with Travis, the depth of her sorrow, to take it maybe even one step further than having uh, you know, a child or some or an individual that you have to shepherd through their whole life that you know will never become a fully capable adult. In addition to all the things that Travis was from a character standpoint, he was also a celebrity, you know, so she th- th- this was somebody that she had an extreme amount of pride in. Right. Uh, whether it was her own doing or not, you know, it's, it was all the things that you would have in, in a child that you love or someone that you take care of. Plus, right. he was shiny, you know, it de- definitely shiny. So how how did uh, how the, the how did Charlie do? She I know that you said, but she um, in the end. Yeah, I just don't want to keep on talking about how much like, you know, their relationship must <laughs> must have been so great. I mean, we, we could give so much empathy to that. But for real, I mean, this woman got torn apart, and now she's kind of on the sidelines here. So how's, how's Charlotte doing? So Charlotte, she lives, and uh, she's gone through multiple reconstructive surgeries, as well as she had a face transplant in 2016. Wow. Full face transplant. A lot of challenges with that. Uh, apparently, when you go through a, a transplant, the body has a tendency in, in a lot of cases to reject the transplant, the, the foreign organ. Oh my so the doctors put you on an anti-rejection medication for a period of time, but they have to phase it out in order for your body to adopt the new organ or the new whatever's been bolted onto your body. Mm. But in, in her case, uh, when she was taken off of the anti-rejection medicine, her face, her body began to reject the face. Really? Um, so I'm not quite sure as to today, but they had to put her back on the anti-rejection medicine as a, me- as a method of maintaining the procedure and, you know, f- for her to move forward. Horror story. You, we should get you on that medication. Seriously. Yeah. It just Well, it doesn't help when you're rejected by people. It doesn't, it really doesn't. Maybe I should get on it. So her face was rejected. Okay, listen, that's, man, so this is not going well. Well, in 2016, she was, she was going through some struggles with, uh, with... With her face getting rejected off of her skull. Her face getting rejected off of her face, yes. And uh, she did actually, she was on Oprah at one point. You can find that. I'll take a look, yeah. You know, look, at, look under Karen's hood. You can find that there or on Google. Um, Wow. Uh, but just what a, I got to be honest, she she has a very amazing perspective on life and this whole situation mm-hmm. since then. I mean, I, I and I don't know if that's the, the nature of the human spirit, but I have to believe that a lot of it is her character that she brings to the table here, that she's just a she's a pretty amazing woman. Often when things like this happen to people, um, yeah, they they deep down like their true the true self comes out and all that and I, I gotta I gotta I gotta check that out. I'll take a look. Yeah. Wow. I'm feeling more guilty and more guilty as we go on with this one, man. It is just such a wild case that your initial reaction is kind of, you know, the way it's gone. Like you, you your reaction is kind of laugh, and it's just so ridiculous and out there. Sometimes when when you laugh at something, that I'm not trying to get myself off the hook here. 
but maybe I am. Like, it's just, uh, you know, it's just so wild. Like, that's what laughter is. That's what humor does to you. It's it's out of the norm, and you're you're, you're like, what? Like, yes, got a face ripped off, rejecting your face, right? But to man, she's. Oh my god! This this case, the, the 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 headline for this whole case, the word I think that works is sensational because it starts sensational. Yeah, the history between Sandra's life, you know, you know, multi-tiered cakes and silk dresses and playing with horses and weird rodeos with Loretta Lynn <laughs> to monkeys with cow. It, it's all sensational, so interesting. Right, but it it has a very tragic ending. So everyone in Sandy's life. Died. Her daughter died in a car accident. Her husband, who she, you know, her third husband, uh, he passed away. And then in 2011, after this whole thing had gone down, Sandy actually died due to complications brought on by a bulging aorta, which is a wow. part of your heart. Maybe from the stress of the whole deal, who knows? Okay. <clears throat> she was just in the pit of despair through the whole thing. Uh, you know, she became. She already had a problem with shopping, but she, apparently she just was a chronic shopper and uh, bought things for her nephew, her her, her grandchildren, um, but oftentimes would never give them to them and just sort of hoarded. Hmm. Her house became impassable at one point, actually. Oh, so, okay. All right. Well, that's a whole other conversation right there, but we will move on. Do we have a palate cleanser? Is there any more that you want to deal with on this situation here? When you come across something like this, it brings up a lot of questions like how does someone own a chimp, especially 240 pound, you know, men, yeah. you know, superman. Five, strength of five men. Chimp, yeah. Yes. So is it even legal to own a chimp? So the answer is there's no federal law. There are no federal laws about owning these animals. Um, it is based on where you live. So it's basically state by state, at least in the U.S., it's state by state. So permits in most cases are required. Uh, lengthy application processes and very expensive bonding requirements, which would be the state's way of sort of mitigating against the risk of having that animal. Hmm. Florida, for example, requires 1,000 hours of volunteer work prior to owning <laughs> okay. a primate. I don't know how you get a thousand hours of what do you you hang with them for a thousand hours? I don't know. Maybe you just like feed fish in an aquarium, and all of a sudden you got a chimpanzee. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Where are you volunteering? Right? Is it to, you know? Do I have to volunteer at a blood bank or at an actual zoo? <laughs> and even if you did, what are you going to do when your chimp starts ripping your friend's face off? Anyways, I know it's not all about chimps, but feed him fish. You got a lot of experience at that point. It, uh, you know. I just don't think anybody should be able to own anything that could kill a whole bunch of people. I don't think anyone should be able to own a boa constrictor or a chimpanzee. It'd call me crazy. Uh, my question is, where do you draw the line? Obviously, there are some animals that are domesticated, but even when it comes to house pets, the laws can be very frustrating. States can just sort of put their finger in the air and say, ah, oh, we don't feel good about pit bulls, and then ban them. Um surprising number of of animal breeds that are banned from state to state like uh sharpays are actually banned in some states sharpays are big wrinkle dogs yeah is it because they're completely useless and people keep on slipping on them they, or they stink they do stink maybe it's their their smell they're, they're just <laughs> olfactory disappointments 
Yeah. I don't know. But um, so most states have real strict liability laws that make owners automatically liable for most dog bite injuries, for example. But in, in a lot of cases, if you're bitten, there's no need to even prove that the owner was negligent or knew that the dog was dangerous. So the, I hate to say it, but in a lot of cases, the courts fast track litigation against pet owners when something happens. So so how do you get around it? You know, so one one good thing, you know, as far as dogs, but I'll circle back. If you own pets, you know, just make sure you understand the laws and how to protect you and your pet and, and the people around you. One thing for pet owners is a dog owner isn't liable in most cases to a person who suffers injury if it happens on that person's property, if the property is clearly and conspicuously marked with one or more signs that state no trespassing or beware of dog, something like that. Okay, so let me ask you this real quick. I mean, you might know the answer to it. I know we're going way off track here, but so say I bring my son who's two years old over to a party and I've been invited onto the property and they have a couple of dogs and my son's eating a piece of cake, and he's looking at the dog, and the dog rips his face off. That's on me? A couple factors. It is situational first. Also, believe it or not, but very similar to humans, the animal's history or that animal's rap sheet may actually be a factor. They'll even go as far as back to say this dog's parents had a history. So they, right. they do dig. They dig. Yeah. It's, you know. On the pet owner's side, it's a lot more dicey. Oh, I bet it is. Here's the thing, though. I would never let my son eat a piece of cake in front of my dog, so I don't got to worry about that. <laughs> Especially if your kid has a face. Forget it. My kid's face is going nowhere near fangs and dumbass eyes. You can put any any friggin' outfit you want on your dog. Not putting my little kid near it. One more, one more fun fact to know and share. Want to own a lion or a tiger or a bear or a megalodon shark? Move to Nevada, Wisconsin, Alabama, North Carolina, or South Carolina. They have, in most cases, no or very lax laws when it comes to owning what I would call charismatic megafauna or big, beautiful animals. Yeah, go there then. Yeah, move there. All right. Hey, hey, Luna, you ready for a palate cleanser? Yeah, I am more than ready. Let's cleanse our palates. So, so, please. Yes. All right, man. So back in 2019, in Lafayette, Indiana, a police dispatcher named Antonia Bundy, no relation to Antonia Giuseppe, who you're probably thinking. (laughs) All right. That's what you're thinking. She answered a 911 call that just wasn't adding up to her. The call came in from a boy who said he had a quote unquote, a bad day at school. Police dispatchers are trained to be prepared for a lot of various situations. But in this case, Antonia, she had to dig real deep into her past training, even before she was a dispatcher, to be able to help this boy out. Are you uh, ready for me to play? Hit it, please. All right. Now on. Hi, um, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you. Okay, um, I had a really bad day and, um, I just, I don't know. You had a bad day at school? Yeah, I just came to tell you that. Yeah, what happened at school that made you have a bad day? Um, I just have tons of homework. Oh, okay. What subjects do you have homework in? 
math and it's so hard. Yes. Okay. So what are you what are you learning in math? What's so difficult? Fractions. Oh, okay. This is amazing. This is this is amazing. And you know, I'll tell you I'll tell you right off the bat, that sounded like my son. But what 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 really I mean there's a lot there's a lot there that's gonna pull at people, pull at their heartstrings. But what got me there was that she called somebody off there. Somebody tried to step in behind her and she said, It's okay. Did you hear her do that? She said, It's okay. Don't worry about it. We're gonna deal with this. Somebody tried to tell her that it was ridiculous and she said, No, it's not. Exactly. You know, we talk about the training that these uh, uh, dispatchers have, and there is a bit of a reflex they have to kind of know. They've got to be able to make a judgment call on when to when to disconnect a call uh, for the for efficiency. Uh, you know, taxpayers pay. Uh, they don't want you know it, it. Things just can't get willy nilly. So right, yes, right, right, yeah, right. But she she made she made a call here, right? She did, and I would. I mean, I mean, most of us probably would would do this. What I sense is that maybe there's something deeper going on. Even if there isn't, that's fine. But it, there could be something deeper going on than just school, and. You can't take a kid at face value. Either way, I like to hear out what the problem is, man. You got more? So far, so far, I'll just say this: props to her for giving the kid a little time. So far, right? Oh yeah. And props, props to the kid because here's the thing: that kid somehow, someone in their life said, "Hey, when you have a problem, call nine one one. Call nine one one." Right? <laughs> this is crazy. I, honestly, I'd rather have my kid call nine one one. And by the way, don't call nine one one for homework problems. Call them only for emergencies, but I would, I would much rather have my kid call nine one one because I taught him how than to not know what to do in any situation. Right? Check this out. Uh, if my kid called nine one one because he was having a problem with something as trivial as homework, I'd be taking a look at myself. Yeah, right? But 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 you know, it's it's uh, it's he he might have heard it at school, wherever else. It's obviously, someone's not listening to him. Parents are busy. And uh, it's nice to know that, that at least in wherever this call is being made, that in that society there's some time for a kid who's... Here's the thing. What's getting me emotional about this is that as a child, when you're a child, like the problems we have as adults seem way bigger than a child's could possibly be. We often say, I wish I could be a kid again. But if you could really remember what it was like being a kid, small things that happen in the schoolyard, someone won't let you play, is as big as getting fired from work as an adult. On an emotional level, right? Like on a rejection. Sorry, not even get on a rejection level. Sure, getting fired or breaking up with your, like getting a divorce could be the same amount of emotional intensity as being rejected on the playground. Totally, we forget this. Yes, and this kid's in that world, man. That's cool. I think as adults, oftentimes when our kids respond with what's going on and what their problem is, even down to something simple with a toy or whatever, we we know we've been through all that. So we we can be very dismissive, especially when things are, you know, our regular day of real problems is rolling out. Uh, we 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 oftentimes sometimes we don't get down on their level and look them in the eye and you know walk through their their reality with them we oftentimes just say hey man you'll get over it don't worry it's just you know it's just a playground or oh that's just your first love don't worry you'll have tons you know right buck up yeah man but it's it's hard you imagine getting put at our age or the listener's age you know getting put on a playground and all you have to worry about is interacting with other people and that sounds like kind of glorious kind of nice 
Come on, man. We all know that we're a little bit antisocial, a little bit uncomfortable and awkward in those kind of situations. Put yourself in a playground with 50 other adults the same age as you with nothing in the world to worry about except for interacting and how you perform in that situation. That's a lot of pressure, man. It is. It is, yeah. I mean, honestly, all the pressures you have in life melt away when, when we're in the crowd. You know, you're not thinking about your bills or anything. You're thinking about how am I connecting or not with this crowd. So uh, any rejection you get there is 100%. You have nothing else to distract you. And then when people don't listen to you, anyways, go ahead. You got more? I do. So in this case, you know, uh, Antonia goes on. She says she was really thankful that she was able to assist him and to be able to relax, just to take a step back and truly you know, find out what he needed and spend some time with him and assist him in the best way that, that she could. So it seemed that the boy had tons of homework before the dispatcher narrowed down that he was having trouble with fractions. So, you ready for me to, uh, <laughs> yes. to ready for me to hit play? Yeah, fractions are tough, man. They don't make a lot of sense right off the bat. Okay, let's do it. All right, we'll uh, we'll let Antonia and her solid work help us walk out the ending of this episode. Here we go. I'm actually bad at fractions. You're bad at fractions? Yeah. Okay. Is there a problem you want me to help you with? Yeah. Um, what's three by four plus one by four? Okay. So, do you have your paperwork in front of you, your, your homework? Yeah. Okay. So, if you do three over four, put that on your paper... Oh. Okay. And then do plus one over four. Okay. Okay. So what's three plus one? Four. Okay. And then what's... It would be over four. So then four over four is what? One. Yeah, good job. Thank you. You're welcome. Was that your only problem? Yeah. Okay. So your homework I'm is sorry done for, then? Yeah. Okay. I'm sorry for calling you, but no, I really need help. You're fine. We're always here to help. Okay. Thank you. Our little baby 1159 Media continues to grow into a bigger baby with many shows under its belt. Like Boss Baby, but with more hugs and less mature adults at the wheel. 911 Calls Podcast is flanked by our other free shows, Dark Topic and True Crime Kent. If you haven't checked them out, you really should. Jack and I are both on the True Crime Kent show, along with our redneck historian, Kent Chungus. And for those of you that have had enough of me, check out Dark Topic for Jack's solo act, where F.T. Norton writes, and then he writes some more words and messes with her perfect punctuation. Then he records the whole thing and performs all the parts to some of the most intense true crime stories you've ever heard. He even tries to do the women parts, bless his little dark hearts. Patreon. At this point, you know what it is because I'm annoying about it. And you know what we have over there. Four. That's right. Count them. Four exclusive shows now for your earballs to enjoy. Maybe enjoy is the wrong word. Our hearts have never been more full. 
and our bills have never been so close to being paid. You are the wind beneath our wings, and sometimes even the wind beneath our shorts, when we need a little more of a boost. So much hugs to all of you. So much hugs. I want to squish all your cheeks, your face cheeks, mostly. Hugs.